There's making money. Then there's realizing actual growth. No one person can be an island unto themselves. Many people seem to breeze through startup with minimal bumps and bruises, but that's okay. But when they're confronted with the next level, everything seems to halt. The things that worked when you first started don't seem to work now. The people who you surrounded yourself with seem to have shifted their attention elsewhere. The big visions you saw for your company seem to get further away, and it's frustrating. Every company goes through growing pains. You wouldn't be a real entrepreneur without them. In fact, I doubt you if you said you didn't have any. But it's how you navigate those growing pains and what you do at each level of growth that will determine how far you go and ultimately how successful your company will become. Ask yourself two questions. What challenges seem to keep popping up consistently that block my growth? And what should I be doing to get past those obstacles? so that I can achieve next level growth. Good morning, Mogul Chicks, and welcome back to another episode of Mogul Chicks Radio. I am so happy to be here with you today. We are going to be talking about fueling next level growth. This is a topic that for whatever reason, people seem to put off or they avoid it as long as they can, but you cannot avoid the unavoidable. If you're going to be in business for any amount of time, you always have to focus on what's the next level and how do I grow there? So you're past the startup phase and now it's time to shift into high gear. You're past that awkward stage where you're just starting up and you really want to learn how to grow and scale your company. But something is holding you back. So while you're still functioning and making decisions as if you're still in startup mode, a lot of us struggle from that. Many high power, high growth companies end up stalling out or companies with high growth potential end up stalling out because they remain stuck in startup mode, which is never good for anyone. Today, it's all about the strategy, baby. Our topic today is going to be talking about transitioning from, transitioning from that startup mode, that startup phase, to focusing on long-term growth strategies and the importance of conscious awareness at each level. There's levels to this growth thing. I told you guys before, my guests and I are going to talk a little bit about some of the roadblocks of growth, how to condition your mind and your mindset and your teams for growth, how to address some of the tips of handling and handling growth and scale with your company, even when you're scared, because a lot of times fear is that big factor. We're going to talk about fear as well. But for those of you who don't know, I am Adrian Graham, CEO and founder of Mogul Chicks LLC. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, mentor, and bringer of the real talk. I help companies scale, grow, and become investment ready. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Janice Collins is the co-founder of The Refinery up in Connecticut, a nationally recognized accelerator founded in 2014 to fuel the growth of women-led companies and close the funding gap. We're on the same page here. Janice has been helping companies innovate, create, and quickly launch new businesses for more than 25 years. First, though, through her own company, which focused on helping high-tech startups and then later advising and funding new financial services companies. I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Hey, Janice, welcome to the show. How are you? Adrian, thanks for having me. I'm great. I'm, great. Well, I'm glad that we were introduced. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it looks like we have a lot of synergies. I mean, you know, the big thing now, the, the big push, what we're trying to do now is to make sure that we get more women to the table as far as being funders, more women to really dig deeper and, and embrace their power as entrepreneurs and CEOs and grow and scale competitive companies and viable companies. And, you know, while some people may say, oh, there's so much popping up, too much competition, we're still behind the mark as women. And we still, you know, are small percentage of companies that are getting founded and getting funded. And well, not getting founded, we're, we're getting founded by, num by record numbers, but we're not getting that funding. And some are not making it past the million mark or even past the five year mark with their companies. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we don't have many women paying attention to their intuition and understanding that you absolutely can find help out there and you can grow. So let's jump right into what are some of the obstacles that women are, are coming across in terms of growth? Yeah, so in our work with women, and we really focus on developing that growth and funding strategy, right, and helping those companies get to a hearing day. What we have found is women don't always have the confidence, have the confidence to do the ask, um, to be the CEO and that tough CEO and make those tough decisions, and also to be promoting them. Women traditionally, they do an amazing job. They're looking for the perfect product. They're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, but they're not out there with swag. Right? They're not out there bragging about what they do. So, one investor said to me just recently, they're not selling the magic. They come in, they tell us what they do, but they don't paint that big vision. So what we are really trying to get our women that we work with or we advise is to really sell the magic of what they do. And come in with confidence and come in with a little bit of swag. And, and not arrogance, but, but confidence. Right. I love that, coming with a little bit of swag. We actually did a pitch session, a mock pitch, pitch session with my uh, Mobile Chicks Academy last, this Wednesday. And one of the biggest thing was the fear. I'm afraid. I don't know what, what makes my company worthy. I don't know if I'm ready to pitch yet. I don't know if I'm ready to get this. So I'm glad you mentioned that about swag, you know, and a lot of people think you have to be this kind of braggadocious person to know you have to be confident in what you do and make sure that you articulate that confidence because how else are you going to get any funding? That's right. I'll tell you a little story. So many years ago, I was a technologist, really an operating system support geeky kind of person. My company sent a group of us through a training program on communication. And what they told us is if you need to walk in the room as if you have the most solid product, the best company out there, even if you don't think you do. Right. You walk in that room with that investor, you've got to believe in yourself and you've got to believe in what you're doing so that you can really sell that. You can't apologize for what's not working quite right. And many women do that. Many women are actually saying, you know, it may not, you know, I apologize for my, no, you don't do that. Don't apologize for anything. You have something amazing and you're really, your passion has to get around it for that investor to believe in and so um, we just did a pitch competition recently also on Wednesday. We're blown away by the brilliance of the women. 
that the companies and the caliber of the companies. And one of the investors in the room said it was by far the best pitch competition they'd ever attended. Good. I love it. Because we, you know, we had a lot of tough competition. These were companies that weren't, they're not out there pitching all the time. The more they pitch, the better off they get. And it's right. The practice. I think the practice makes perfect. What, what would you say to someone who is pitching like for the first time? Maybe they're not a startup. But maybe they're pitching for the first time. They finally got to the point where they say, you know what? I can't do this on my own anymore. I need funding. I don't know how to pitch. I don't know if they'll take me serious because I've, you know, just been a two-person shop. What would you say to them about, the, you know, mentally preparing for pitching? So, you know, most entrepreneurs, and they should believe in what they're doing. So what I tell them to do is you believe in what you're doing. You're giving this investor the opportunity it's an opportunity for them to invest in you so this is they have to keep that in mind you know they're not doing them a favor you know the the entrepreneur a favor it's an opportunity that they have right. so when you're going to get ready for that pitch you've really got to communicate and articulate why your product is so important what problem you're really solving and that people must have your solution right. without it and they're going to pay a lot of money for that solution some way somehow and without right. it the world will not be good so <laughs> you've got to believe that when you're asking money from uh, you know asking an investor to put money in you that people yeah. really need your solution okay well you know what this is something that's always irritated me a little bit about shark tank and shows like that i love shark tank first of all I'm, i i've been dubbed a shark tank armchair analyst. <laughs> Many VCs have called me that. But what, what bothers me a lot of times, is, and I know it's a TV show and you have to catch the essence of the person and you want to get to know the heart of the person. But what bothers me the most is, well, number one, there's two sides to it. Number one, when the women get on and they start telling their story and they cry. And oh. automatically, I have a problem with that because I don't think you should cry in business, but I mean, you, you can be emotional, but mm, 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 not when you're pitching for money. But when you look at social media and the reaction, automatically they start tearing into the women. Oh, you should be stronger. Oh, you should do this. How do you find a balance? I mean, I'm an emotional person sometimes, but how do you kind of control that and contain that so that you can, you can get the pitch done so that they're not looking at you with pity but at the same time, they're saying, I see promise in this person, but I also see that she's a real person. So how do you kind of balance that? Well, I mean, so you're not asking them for a charity donation, right? And you have to remember that. I mean, mm -hmm. investors are going to invest in you because they're going to get a return on their money. End of the day, that's the answer, right? It's all about the money and the return on their investment. And pitching to them, you do have to think about why it's good for them to put their money, right, their personal check, to you how what's in it for them so i tell our our companies just focus on what's in it for that investor and that take all the emotions out because as soon as you put those emotions on you're asking for a charity donation Shark tank and other investors are not about that i mean they make charity donations aside mm -hmm. right and they're philanthropic many times but that's mm -hmm. not what you're there for so right yeah, I mean, with, as far as shark, and, and I tell people all the time, it translates not just into Shark Tank, but into real life. Shark, it's entertainment. Yes, yeah, sure, they do deals, but it's entertainment for the most part. So the producers are, they have to capture the emotion. They have to capture that. But I keep telling women, that's not how it works in the real world. You know, and then I, I got uh, some feedback from someone that says, well, when you're pitching to women, they understand 
No, it's about the dollar. It's about the money. <laughs> That's it. End of day, it's about the money. What's in right. it for me as an investor? What's in it for me? Exactly. So this, this segues into the next topic that I wanted to kind of cover. What are some of the, the pitfalls that people encounter when they're trying to scale? I mean, you know, the first, of course, obvious one is seeking funding. But then as you're, you, you see that your company has some promise and you're about to get maybe a major deal or maybe you see that somebody sees you that, have, that thinks you have a lot of potential for growth, what are some of the pitfalls that people encounter when they, when they run up against scale and growth? Okay, so there's so many pitfalls, right? <laughs> as you know, there's so many pitfalls. Anything can put you under, right? Hiring too fast. And hiring the wrong people and the wrong mm -hmm. team and then having, you know, the revolving door issue happen for you. That's one pitfall that I see quite a few times. You know, another thing is just going way too big, too fast without focus, right? And just not having that, losing your focus all of a sudden as you try to scale. The other piece is not having repeatable models in place. You cannot scale unless you have repeatable models in place. It just won't happen. It's too labor intensive. All your costs will be in, in labor and you won't be able to grow big and have a huge high potential growth company. Right. Building repeatable sales models are critical and distribution models are really critical along with all the operational processes. Yeah. And the other piece is, you know, when you're about to scale, some people don't have a big enough vision. So, you know, and, and we women sometimes really fall in that category, right? Have the vision to go big. And we won't take those risks sometimes. We need to take risks and not, and not be afraid of failing. Fail and start over. You can fail and morph. You can fail and evolve. And you just need to learn from those failures. Um, that's the key you have to learn from it I think a lot of us look at failure as kind of the nail in the coffin failure isn't final you know the best thing about it is is that is failing really teaches you something something that you didn't know before and so now if you can take those learnings apply and go forward you're in a much better place than you were before Absolutely. Absolutely. So for those of you who are watching via Facebook live, I gave you a little extra treat. We gave you four extra minutes of content. So you can finish listening to the, the interview over on blogtalkradio.com slash mobile chicks, or you can catch the replay later. We'll be up on iTunes and Google play, but we're about to get deeper into this conversation and talk a little bit more and get some more tips from Janice. So make sure you go ahead over there now, blogtalkradio.com slash mobile chicks, and I will see you there. So, okay. So let's move on to the next tip here, the next, the next topic. So I'm glad that you talked about, um, about failure because a lot of people think that, well, well, okay, let's say it like this. Many, many women feel the stakes are higher for us as women as far as in terms of failure. And, you know, the mantra around the startup community is fail fast, fail often, learn, and, you know, all of that. But there's still a segment of women out there who it, it definitely scares them to fail because they think either maybe they're the sole breadwinner or this is something that they have been cultivating, an idea that they've been cultivating for years and years and is too afraid to step out on faith. And now that they've done it, they have too much to prove or too much to lose to fail. So how do we use failure specifically failure in our growth process and how do we what are some of the tips you can share to have women not be so afraid of failure 
to kind of flip it on its ear. Well, I actually did a TEDx talk about how today the way in which we start companies is different than what we did 35 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, and one of the things that is different today is that we do it with more support and in a support system, whether that's an accelerator, whether that's an incubator, whether that's a Founders Institute membership program. Mm -hmm. And so one of the benefits that we have today in starting companies are all these ecosystems that have evolved to support entrepreneurs. And women need to take advantage of them because we, A, need to support each other, but B, there are other, like, whether it's Techstars, whether it's The Refinery, whether it's Mass Challenge, whether it's ERA, okay. whether it's Springboard, there are support systems in place to help women get through those failures and help them take those risks. And my recommendation is you can never go wrong in joining one of those groups. Right. Um, so I, I highly advocate for that because having that support system, if nothing else, talking to peers, yeah. learning from your peers' mistakes is really valuable. Um, right. Having a group of advisors that can help you and, and mentors that have been there before, done this, and they can give you some advice is really helpful. Right. All of those things will help you learn from that failure or that risk that you took. And they will take you, dust you off, pat you on the back, and get you back on your on track. Okay. Well, and, and you know what? You don't know what you don't know. I think a lot of times we, we operate in these individual silos that we think we're the only ones who understand or who has ever been there before or who's been a mom or a single mom or woman in business. No, there's so many incredible stories out there. Um, and, and really part of the reason why I decided to come back into radio and launch the magazine because I want to tell those stories because I think the more that we see these things, the more that we see these stories and we hear the stories, the more the more confidence we'll find in ourselves and the more likely I believe we'll be able to reach out to a springboard or a refinery or, or mogul chicks or uh, any number of groups that are out there. So I think it's very important to not just take advantage of the opportunities and there are plenty of them out there. I don't believe the hype out there that you guys that are listening, there's plenty of opportunity out there for women. We just have to go ahead and take advantage of those opportunities but by the same token don't be afraid there are so many people with a story like yours you'd be it, it's unbelievable it, when you finally get into one of these these programs or around one of these conferences or networks you'll walk out of there literally and i knock wood can say this you'll probably say something like i did where i said i finally found my people <laughs> people who understand me right right that community right that you're yeah. part of and they you know they've made some of those mistakes like you have inspire you and and um i think the community is really great and what you're doing is really great i think Thank telling you. the stories is really important we try to do that also a little bit probably mm -hmm. not as much as you do but having that out there is really important Right, right. And I think it's important for us to kind of piggyback off of each other. I think there is no competition out there. Um, we're in so many different regions. And then by the same token, there are regions where there's nobody like us out there. So it's important that we, we join together and we spread the word and we, we prop each other up as, as far as the organizations are concerned and, and the groups and the angel groups and the accelerator programs and all of that, because there are pockets of this country and even abroad where they don't have that. And they feel that, okay, well, if I'm not on the East Coast or the West Coast, I don't have any access. There, there's incredible stories to be told and there are incredible organizations. If we all just kind of intersect with each other, 
I think that we, we have the, the capability to change the dynamics of women entrepreneurship. Do you agree? I totally agree with you. I yeah. mean, what we have found too is that it, the, the models changed. And so yeah. I was in financial services a long time ago. Women really didn't help other women, you know, because mm -hmm. they, were, they were basically scraping their way to the top. There were very, very few senior women helping other women. Entrepreneurs are different. Investors yeah. are different. You know, we are definitely more collaborative. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we you know we just did this pitch competition. It seemed like all of the groups came out of the woodwork to help promote it. It was amazing. Whether it was yeah. Thirty Seven Angels, whether it was Golden Seeds, whether it was Springboard, whether it was Mass Challenge, everybody really promoted it. It was amazing. And that's what I think we have to do. I think you know we're behind the eight ball, women. Right? We're not getting the level of funding, at least at the VC level. Mm -hmm. that men led companies do. So all of us really need to get together and be advocates for women in the right. CEO. And I also think giving them visibility and visibility to those success stories is huge. They, women entrepreneurs need visibility, some cash, right? And mm -hmm. the right, right amount of capital. Mm -hmm. And then they need really connections. What women fall behind in is on our networks, right? And so we are getting better at networking with each other but you've got to also network with the men. This is a 50-50 world. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I've been saying it forever. Absolutely. I totally believe it. I'm never going to an all-women's meeting ever again. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Because we have, to, we have to network the way the world is reflected. And the world is not just like a, a divided line down the middle, men over here, women over here. It doesn't work like that. We have to be able to network in all circles. That's right, absolutely. And one of the things, like I think one of the advantages that my co-founder, Jen Gabler, and myself have had is because we came out of more traditional male careers, mm -hmm. we have this huge network. And so we're able to take that network and extend it to the entrepreneurs and female founders that we, that we meet. And it's critical. I think, you know, networking with both men and women is critical to your success and knowing how to do that and knowing how to leverage their network and make more connections. Absolutely. Well, there's, I keep telling people there's levels to this. There's level to this entrepreneurship game. There's levels to this growth. How would you tell someone who's maybe on the outside looking in how to adjust to each level? Because for me, and I can only speak from my own experience, where I was mentally at startup wasn't where I was at year five. Where I was at year five isn't where I was at year 10. So how do you kind of shift and adjust without, I guess, well, you have to upset the, the apple cart a little bit because nothing stays fluid, nothing stays the same. But how do you kind of walk, walk the listeners through, how do you kind of adjust to each level as you grow and scale your company? Well, you know, each level is going to be different depending upon the industry you're in, right? Mm -hmm. And how fast you're growing. And also, you know, are you that high growth trajectory um, company? So we like to look at our companies and say at around three years, they're at an inflection point, right? Mm -hmm. We've got to make some decisions. Do you want to just keep going where you're doing or do you want to get to a high growth path? Which means you're going to have to raise some capital. And so you're going to have to learn how to do that fundraising piece and really have a thoughtful fundraising strategy, along with some coaches and mentors and advisors and investors that can help you through it. Because it is tough. And it's even tougher for a woman than it is from a man, as we know, right? Because most of the time you're going to go into the room and if you have a male co-founder, 
they're going to address all their questions to that male and not to you. So you're going to need some guidance and, and also the willingness to step up to be that CEO and do that fundraising. So that's your first level of that three-year, our view is the three-year inflection point of trying to raise that capital. Mm -hmm. Right now you've raised your capital. Now you've got to grow the company, right? So you're going to have to change from fast, fast, just get it all out there, get as many customers as you can to really focusing on who is really your customer now, how you're going to develop a partner and sales and distribution strategy that's repeatable and mm -hmm. can get you to that next high growth stage. So your role as CEO is changing. You know, you're really changing. You're not going to be doing jack of all trades. You're hiring a team and you've got to be able to let go of some of the details and focus on the big vision and all of the partnerships and sponsorship that really need to be in place for you. So, and then now you've grown and you're grown and you've got to decide, am I going to exit this company? Am I going to go public? Am I going to sell this company down the road? And selling your baby is not always easy to do. <laughs> Letting go of your baby is not easy to do in the details of it, right? <laughs> and I think women are worse than men at that because we do see our companies as our baby, as our child a lot of times. I think we grow to attach that much to it emotionally. Right. Um, like men. And I think it is really hard. We've seen a lot of women at that inflection point saying, I don't think I'm going to do it. I can't let go. I can't let go of my company. I'm happy where it is. So it really takes that approach of letting go, letting other people run with it and knowing that you can guide it from a leadership and visionary, but you can't be down into the details. Yes. I myself struggle with this all the time, Adrian. So. <laughs> yes. Listen, I am on my fifth, fifth company, sixth company, excuse me, sixth company. And I have three simultaneously going right now, but it's, it's hard. In the very beginning, it's so hard. It was easier for me to shut down my first company than to relinquish control. I agree. <laughs> Because then I felt like I was doing it on my terms. I chose to walk away. I chose. So when you're, when you spent time building this company, I think for most women, it gets hard because you don't want to see what you built explode. But by the same token, where you block yourself is that you don't see what the potential could be. If you step away from it, it's kind of like your children. If you know you raised them right, and then you send them off to college or send them out into life, you have to step back and understand, I did a good job as a parent. Now I'm handing the reins over to them. It's similar with the business because you're, first of all, hopefully you hired capable people who, are, who have phenomenal talents that can do the things that you can't do or the things that you maybe are not equipped to do or weren't knowledgeable about. And they can take your company even higher than what you imagine. And I think we blocked that because we don't want to give up control. I agree completely. Yeah. Totally. I'm, I'm there. You know, I think <laughs> you brought up the point about building your team. And so it's got to be one of the most crucial things you do besides understanding mm -hmm. the market changes, besides learning how to talk to an investor, mm -hmm. all those other things, right? You've got to build a team. Yeah. And that team is tough when you're a startup, right? Because how do you encourage people? They've got to believe in what you're doing. And how do you get the best talent? And you can't compromise. Mm -hmm. I, I preach that all the time. Don't compromise. Yeah. Hire the absolute best person for the job. 
and, and don't hire too fast because right. it can be costly to make that mistake um, in hiring the wrong person could really bring you down. Same yeah. with co-founders, you know, you know, getting in bed with the wrong co-founder can be a disaster as well. Yeah, it's like a marriage. I mean, and one of the things that I, I teach my, my cohorts in Mobile Chicks is about, when we talk about talent management and talent acquisition and talent development, I'm like, it's not about placing an ad on Craigslist and finding people or calling up your cousin's hairdresser's best friend to come be your receptionist. You really have to put a strategy together to find the right talent. Now, I, I, the resistance and the feedback that I get from people that I talk to, the first thing that comes up is the budget. Well, I can't afford to hire this person. They don't understand that there are different creative, uh, creative uh, revenue opportunities or creative um, compensation opportunities that you can have, that you can offer to people. And I think that if more women read up or, or studied about that or got people who were knowledgeable about compensation to help them kind of map that out, I think that'll be one barrier down as far as the hiring part. Yeah. What, what do you think? No, no, I completely agree. And actually one of the sessions that we usually have in our accelerator, we have a woman who was originally at HR in Priceline. Mm-hmm. And so we helped to develop their whole compensation strategy around Priceline and has mm-hmm. been doing startups for a very long time and pretty big startups, pretty big funded startups. And she's amazing. And she really talks about, and also, but you can make mistakes in that creative compensation too, because yes. you can end up giving somebody a lot more equity in your company than they deserve. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're stuck with that. And then when you try to raise money and people want to know why this person has 12% of your company, and they're not worth it and they're not delivering that 12%, you're, you're stuck, right? And you yeah. might have to restructure. So there's definitely creative ways to hire people. Hiring the best is really critical. Giving them a contractor and hiring and with some kind of percentage of profit or percentage of revenue is a, is a good way to go. So there are definitely mm-hmm. alternatives. Um, but hi- hiring the best set of resources, surrounding yourself with the best set of resources is really critical. Sometimes you are at the beginning stages may not hire that person, but maybe they'll be an advisor to you. Maybe they're willing to come on for an advisor role mm-hmm. um, until you're ready to have the funding to really hire that person as an employee. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit. Let's, let's go a little bit deeper into that. We have a couple more minutes left. Um, as far as putting together your ideal team, as you, I, I like to tell people that you need to start planning your staffing strategy way before you start scaling and growing because you have to know at what points do you need to add certain talent and for what reason. And each talent has to be able to pay for themselves. It's kind of like a short, the, the abbreviated version that I put out there to them. But let's talk a little bit about that. What if you're a woman who maybe you've been in business for three years, you haven't gotten funding yet, but you're starting to pitch and you know that you're on the cusp of growth, but you keep getting the feedback. You know what? If you had a bigger team, if you had more momentum or whatever, how do you kind of alleviate some of those fears out of hiring when you've never done it before? You need a mentor or an advisor to help you through the hiring process. Don't try to do it by yourself because you make terrible mistakes. <laughs> no, Emotional what mistakes. Know. No, you know, know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And don't make those kinds of mistakes. There are plenty of resources and people with that expertise that can help you and will help you through pro bono even mm-hmm. make some of those hiring decisions. And so, right. and also my view is try people out. So I oftentimes um, just say hire them for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, try it out. 
and have a set of milestones for that person of what they need to deliver in that 90 days before you actually bring them on board and, and give them any kind of equity. And right. a lot of the startups, I'm in Boston, a lot of the people that are forming those companies, everybody's working, nobody's working for a salary. Mm. You're working for the high growth potential of this company. So, and they're willing to do that because they see the possibilities and they see where it can grow. Mm. Um, the key is, is not to get into a relationship that's like a marriage that you would have to divorce later with the wrong person. Really, really important. Absolutely. Is there a certain guideline that they should follow in terms of the stages of growth as far as I need X amount of team members if we have this amount of revenue growth or as we move to this level? Is there some kind of, I mean, everybody has their own strategy, but what would you recommend? Is there some kind of thought process they should have in place as far as for X amount of revenue this amount of hires? You know, I wouldn't say that because every company in terms of their capital requirements, working capital requirements, and what it takes to get that company off the ground is going to be different. Software mm -hmm. companies can be a lot leaner than a manufacturing company. Um, I say go slow. Don't bring on that big team when you're not ready. Managing the team could be a lot of work. And, and a lot of money. <laughs> and a lot of money and can take your eye. So I say go slow. Bring people on only when you really need them. Don't bring them on to impress investors because that doesn't work and they see right through it. And, and they'll, <laughs> they'll figure out they're not real employees or they're not full-time. And You're better off just doing it slower, build a small, impact, high-impact team that can really do and is willing to roll up their sleeves and do everything to get this company out the door and, and grow. Absolutely. This has been a wonderful conversation. I could talk to you all day about this. <laughs> so for, for everybody that's listening, thank you for tuning in. Now I want, we're going to get three tips from Janice about how to deal with high fuel, fueling high growth. But first I want her to talk about a little bit about the refinery and tell you where you can find the, find them, how you can reach out, what things they have coming up and what's the best way to apply. So go ahead, Janice, tell them about the refinery. We just finished our fall pitch competition. Um, we gave out a $45,000 in cash, about $15,000 in services. It was very cool. We had the most important part of it was that 80 female founders got to pitch one-on-one -on -one to investors, and it was awesome, and get feedback. So our goal is to get them to get that experience, right? Mm -hmm. So Upcoming next will be our Boost, Winter Boost program, and applications will open somewhere in the November, December timeframe, most likely, for that, and it's accelerator program, and it's a combination of in-person and online capability, virtual capability, and then we'll mm -hmm. be running another fall pitch competition next year. The best way to find us is our website, therefinerycct.com, sign up for the newsletter, our next newsletter will go, up, uh, go out on Tuesday, um, announcing our winners of the pitch competition and also up-and-coming up events that are going on. And then uh, I'm ready for my tips. Can I give you the tips? <laughs> sure. But before you give me the tips, make sure you send me that, that information about the accelerator, about the pitch competition, and anything coming up because I want to put it out to my audience as well. Okay. One other thing I would tell you is our viewpoint is even if you're not really sure about the program or the pitch competition, apply. Mm -hmm. Usually the application process in itself is a worthwhile process. Many times, even if you're applying for the accelerator, we'll call you, we'll talk to you, we'll give you some coaching. Um, even if you don't join the program, it's a worthwhile process to go through. 
and we try to make it as painless as possible and actually valuable. Um, okay. So now your three tips for fueling growth. So, you know, I have like about 20 tips. But I'm gonna give <laughs> well, then share whatever you want to share. <laughs> um, you know, I thought a lot about this. And, and number one, you know, I believe in focus, right? And focus on where you're going and your roadmap and your path and your customers and how you're going to grow them. Really, focus is really critical. Mm -hmm. And then setting up a set of metrics to measure how you're doing um, and also to report back to investors or potential investors is also really critical. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're going to be scaling, and along with those metrics are a whole set of milestones. One of the very first things we do in our program is we give our companies a milestone map. And it's a, you know, a generic one, and we say, do this. Map this out what the next 6, 12 months, 18 months look like for you. We know it's going to change while you're in the program, but start with your vision to map that out and then measure how you're doing against those milestones. Um, and last but not least, um, it's all about execution. So, you know, we can have a million there and there are a million good ideas. There's going to be at least five to 10 competitors, maybe 20 competitors doing what you mm -hmm. do. The difference between what you do and somebody else is your execution. And so, that's the key. And that's what investors will look at as well. And building that team, as we talked quite a bit about, mm -hmm. crucial to execution. Um, one of the things that we do at the very beginning also of our program is to have you assess your company, what its critical success factors are for high growth, mm -hmm. whether or not the team you have in place is going to help you get there. And do they have the skills? Do they have the experience? And what's that gap? Mm -hmm. so you really need to assess your ability to execute that idea and the scale that you want to achieve. And you need some measurements. You need some ways to look at, am I doing it? Do I have it? You know, is the right partnership strategy in place? And so it is about measuring your success for yourself and then adjusting that roadmap. Right. And also, would you say, if just to, if it just popped into my mind right now, should you worry about how well you articulate all of that and how maybe an investor or third party sees what you see? Yes. And, and you know, the, and as you probably do and we do, we help our companies and our entrepreneurs be able to articulate that. And so that's a huge crucial part is, and women do this a lot, we talk about our successes at the very end of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Saying from the very beginning, I have a million dollars in revenue this year. <laughs> you know, we grew from 40000 to a million dollars in three years. You know, whereas men are going to be with that swag and walk right in and say that, we wait to the end to tell people when they're nodding off. No. But yes, you have to be able to articulate very clearly, you know, your vision, your, how you're going to measure your success, your ability to execute, and your success, your track record. What have you accomplished? And track record is everything to investors. Absolutely. And don't forget, like Janice said earlier, that swag. Make sure you bring that swag, that confidence, not cockiness, that confidence that we all have within us. Some of us, we just need a little coaxing to get it out of us. So. 
Absolutely. So, Janice, I really appreciated you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom. I am so looking forward to what's coming up with the refinery and anything I can do. And I'm, I'm, I tell people, and that's all of you listeners, when you meet someone or you network with someone, it's not simple enough to say, let me know if you need any help. I'm one of those people that I walk away from a conversation saying, okay, I can do one, two, three, four, and five for you. <laughs> Let me know who you need me to call. Let me know what you need me to do to make it happen. So that's something that's a little extra. I guess I can give to, to the listeners as well. But reach out to one another, connect with one another. You know, it, you don't always have to become BFFs and you don't have to always go out to lunch and you don't have to always give, give, give all the time and not get anything in return with you just build those relationships, take an active interest in what everyone else is doing. I'm telling you, your, your tribe grows, it swells and your support system becomes so solid. You have no choice but to grow. So that's why I appreciate people like Janice coming on and listening and the listeners who are there and everybody and Barbara who introduced us. Thank you, Barbara, if you're listening. <laughs> so absolutely. So any final thoughts you want to share or anything you want them, give them, give them your, the website again and how they can reach you on social. The refinery CT.com. I'm Twitter. I'm at Janice Collins, but also at the refinery CT um, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm going to leave you with one thing is, okay. is that I always end with an ask. And so I, <laughs> I want women to always, and now you've offered some advice, right. And potentially help. So, my ask is that you offer some of your building your team to some of our cohort, you know, in the future. Absolutely. Just let me know when and where, and I'm there. <laughs> I think this is a great thing. And I, you know, I want women ask for help, right. Yeah. And always have an ask at the end of every conversation. Mm-hmm. So if you meet with an investor, they may not be the right investor, ask for contact. Absolutely. I agree. 150%. And yes, we, I'm there. I am there. We're going to talk offline about that. But thank you guys for tuning in today. I really appreciate you for taking time out of your morning to listen to us have our conversation. I'm glad you got to meet Janice Collins. And of course, tune in every week to make sure you come back. I have amazing guests that come in and, and share of their talents and their wisdom. Give If you want to get in touch with me, of course, tell Viva on Twitter. I'm Adrian Graham across the web. Or simply go to any of the Mogul Chicks handles. We're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest, Periscope, Snapchat, you name it, we're there. Uh, go to mogulchicks.com for more information. We are revamping the site. Mogul Chicks Academy, the fall session begins next week. So I hope to see you there. And if you didn't check your news, your email already, your newsletter's in your inbox. It was sent to, you, sent to you yesterday. There's some surprises in there for you guys. But definitely send us email at info at mogulchicks.com. If you know someone who needs to be on the show, who needs to be have a spotlight showing on them, definitely reach out to us and let us know. Or if you think you make a good guess, let's see what you got. Come on the show. Remember, mogul chicks are always a step ahead of the crowd and mogul chicks close deals. And in the, the vein of today being Mogul Moves Friday, get out there because mogul chicks make mogul moves and power plays. I will see you guys, talk to you guys again next week. So make sure you tune in. Bye. <laughs>